Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... The worst thing that can happen is when we lie or deceive that it works. You know why that's the worst thing that happened? Because then it becomes our pattern. We're like, okay, that's how I get out of trouble. I lied, it worked, worked this time, it worked again. Can I tell you guys this becomes a pattern in David's life? That he'll cover up one thing with another thing. We see this happen when he sinned with Bathsheba. And then when she came back and said, I'm pregnant, he said, oh no, gotta cover it up. I'm bringing your husband back from war. I'm gonna get him drunk and send him home and hope that y'all sleep together and he'll think it's his. And y'all can live a lie. Have you ever gotten away with a lie? Maybe it was in a job interview or on your taxes. You may have gotten that job or a bigger tax refund. In today's message, Pastor Bill warns you that getting away with a lie leads to a pattern of lying. Since it worked before, you're tempted to try it again. Soon, you become a habitual liar to get what you want and to get out of what you don't want. If there are any deceitful habits or patterns in your life, confess them to God and commit yourself to living in truth. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21. As he continues his message, desperation, deception, and death. I've thought about this before. You know, if you're someone that tells the truth, if, if, it's, if, it, if it ends, even if the truth that you tell ends up in wrong hands, still the truth. I'm good. I'm clean. What I said. If somebody overhears you that I wasn't really talking to them, but what I was saying was still true. I'm OK. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on good ground. But David's not going to be on good ground here. Verse eight. And David said to Ahimelech, is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? Fire brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me. Again, another lie. Because the king's business required haste. So David says, hey, miss, uh, is there any weapons here in the temple? You got a spear or a sword? Because the king's, you know, request upon me required such haste. I left without a weapon. I need a weapon. And another lie he tells, right? And Ahimelech is going to take care of him. It says, so the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no... Uh, there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. Now, I want you to think about this, right? Because I would like to think this would have stirred up something in David. He says, you know what's here? The only, only weapon in the whole temple is the, the sword of Goliath, who you killed. Actually, this is the sword that David chopped off. Goliath. After, you know, David killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. And when he ran up on him, he didn't have a sword. He took Goliath's big old sword and whopped his head off. This should have reminded David of a time earlier when he was full of faith, trusted God. He didn't have better weapons. All he had was all he needed was faith in the Lord. Somehow things have changed. Somehow fear has overtaken David at this point. And David's not thinking the way he was thinking then. For whatever reason, David wasn't afraid of Goliath, but David is afraid of Saul. And fear is causing David to respond in the way that he's responding. So what do we learn from this? Um, one, it's possible to one day be over here living by faith, believing God, trusting God, accomplishing great things for God's glory. And then to get over here later on and be afraid and nervous and sinning and not succeeding, not doing it God's way. It's possible 
that the same man that was succeeding over here is now failing over here. How do we avoid that happening? How do we how do I learn from what goes on with David here and say, God, I don't want to I don't want to do that. I don't want to flip flop. Right. I, I'm human, too. Uh, and, and some of us have done this. Right. Some of us have had victory spiritually and then we've done bad stuff. Right. Same body, same person, same face. Um, and so how do, how do we avoid this? One, I know fear is um, fear is not the friend of faith. You really can't have faith and fear simultaneously. I, I'm either full of faith and I have no fear or I'm full of fear and I have no faith. But you can't have it both ways. I can't be full of faith in God and I'm scared, too. Um, you, you just it's one or the other. So you either believe God and you go in faith and you just God is on you. you. My life is in your hands. I, I trust you with the whole thing or with fear. Fear will guide you. Fear is a terrible leader. You guys, anybody has ever been governed by fear, controlled by fear in your life. Fear is a terrible leader. It's a terrible leader. You don't want to be led by guided by. You don't want to make decisions based out of fear. Um, it, it almost be better to do anything but be afraid. And, um, you know, something I would be thankful to my mother for how my mother raised us. Um, my mother was one that would make you you going to overcome a fear. If you felt afraid of something, my mom would like, no, go get it. You know, um, and, I, and I look back, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for that kind of a mindset because fear is a snare. Fear is stop. Fear of paralyze you from doing stuff. Fear will have you. You know, sometimes fear is irrational. Where it's like when you look at what people are afraid of, it's like that's not a rational fear. There are certain, you know, creatures that are harmless, but there are people that are afraid of them. Right. So somebody can be afraid of a mice can't bite you. A mice can't. Mice is harmless. Right. But some people are afraid. See a mice and they jump up on the table like it could bite them, like it could eat you, like it's carnivorous or something like that. It, it don't want nothing but your cheese and snacks, um, you know, but it, so. It, it's a, you know, I get, I get, no, you get the eebie-jeebies, but it'd be irrational to be like, <laughs> about it. It's a mouse. It's a mouse. It's a mouse. Not a pit bull. Just a mouse. Um, you know, they're bugs, a beetle or ant or, a, you know, a, I know somebody that, I know somebody was scared of a, a daddy long legs and uh, one of my children. And I, I was saying, that's an irrational fear. And so as a, as a good old dad, I plucked one off the wall by the legs and I said, now hold it. I tried to make them hold it and they went, ah, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it, you know. But I was trying to rid them of, it's, it's not rational. This is the one spider that can't bite you. It, there's no, it can do, it can do nothing but crawl. Smush it up and roll on, get, on, get on with your life, you know. We want to be careful about being overrun by fear. Uh, some fear is irrational. Some fear is legitimate. David's fear was legitimate. Somebody's trying to kill him. He's attempted it a few times and failed. And now David knows for certain that not just Saul, but Saul and his men are looking to kill him. So David's fear is not an irrational fear. It's a legitimate fear. But even legitimate fear has to be brought to the Lord, you guys. So when we have a legitimate fear, something to be afraid of, something that that could bring about literal fear. God, I got to bring that to you and let it leave it in your hands. My life is in your hands. But I don't want fear to direct me and how I make decisions. We've we lived through some crazy things the last couple last year and a half or so. And I would say that some people are so afraid, um, so afraid that it's controlling. It's controlling what they do and they don't do. Unhealthy, unhealthy. There's legitimate fears. There's irrational fear. There's fear that's born out of what you sow. Right. If you sow in little bit of word and a whole lot of TV, you're going to be afraid. 
That's the fear sells. The news is bad news only. And you got to balance that out with the good news or you're going to be out here making bad decisions. And so we want to be careful that fear is not guiding us, leading us, um, because bad decisions are made when fear is the lead. And so that's how David got into this predicament. Um, he's afraid. Um, and and but in his fear, he doesn't choose to turn to the Lord. He takes it upon himself. I'm going to lie. I'm going to deceive. I'm going to get the, I'm going to get a weapon now. And so he gets the he gets Saul. He gets um, he gets the sword of Goliath. And so now he has a weapon and, you know, he has that. But but no faith, no trust in the Lord. No, he's got a weapon and he's going to move forward with that. Look at verse 10. Now it goes from bad to worse. Um, some of you guys have heard the phrase uh, from the frying pan to the fire. So David leaves. He's running from one enemy, Saul, who wants to kill him. Well, look at where he runs to. Verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul. And he went to Achish, the king of Gath. Who came from Gath? Goliath of Gath. So David ran to the town of the of the giant that he killed, right? So, and, and, like, and like they're not gonna remember him, right? There's like you the guy we was all up there while while Goliath was talking smack. These are all the homies behind him, like yeah, yeah, get with him though, you know what I mean? And now David is the guy that killed him, ran off with his head, chased these guys back home. So he ran down. Now he's in enemy territory. Why would he run down to enemy territory? This is the sad part. Because he was no longer safe in, in Israel, right? He was no longer safe because Saul was the king and he wasn't going to be safe there. So he ran down into enemy territory. And so he ran down, it says, to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one, um, to one another in dances saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousand? They heard the song in Gath. Gab was like, we heard that tune they were singing about your boy, you know, about you killing your tens of thousands. And so, you know, the king of Gab may not have remembered, but the people did. And they went and said, hey, hey, this is David. That's the guy that killed Goliath. This is the guy that's been whooping everybody up and killing tens of. If you kill tens of thousands of people, you got enemies for that. Right. If you, I mean, it's good. Like if David was killing people on Israel's behalf, but now he's not there. He's away from all his people. And so. Um, this is a scary thing now. Now, David, you're in enemy territory. You thought you was going to hide out. And as soon as you got there, they're like, oh, we know you. Oh, we know who you are. We know who you are. We know what you've done. He's going to be afraid again. And fear again is going to lead David to behave uh, in such a way. Look at verse 12. Now, David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Um, and so once he realized, oh, no, I'm here, I'm on enemy turf, I'm not well supported, I don't got a whole army with me, and these guys remember who I am and what I've done, and he's, he became very much afraid. It says, so he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down his beard. So David says, like, what am I going to do? Think fast, think fast, think fast. Crazy man. And he, he acts crazy. And he starts scratching at the door like a dog and just letting drool run down his mouth. I just could imagine a guy just acting, ah, just, I'm just going to act crazy. And so that's what he does here. Now, again, this is sad, right? Why does he do this? For fear. David's like, I don't know what else to do. I don't want them to get me. 
And again, I'm looking at this guy and thinking when David's operating in faith, it looks like he was never afraid of anybody, few or many. But right in this section here, and this is just some sad moments for David, dark days, not operating in faith, not trusting God, not 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 believing God beyond what he can see. Look at what he has to do to try to take care of himself, how 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 shameful his behavior is. He's lying. He's deceiving. Now he's over here acting crazy, scratching doors and letting saliva run down his beard. And again, we can't really make fun of David, but this is a vivid uh, show to us of what it could look like to let fear run your life. This man who is God's man, God's spirit is upon his life. He's just not operating in everything that God has created him to operate in. We're going to see some better days come from David later, but these are not glorious moments from David, but we have something that I'm so glad we have. David was a psalmist and many times song songwriters and those who do those sort of things, they write out of their darkness, right? They write out of difficulty. David wrote some Psalms from this era, from this season. We're going to look at one before we close the night. Uh, just to uplift us, just so I don't want to end the night looking at this man drool out of his beard and look crazy. Um, here's here. Let's read the rest of this real quick. And I, I got a few things to say. Then we're going to read a psalm together. So he pretended madness. He let saliva fall down his beard. Verse 14. Then Achish said to his servants, look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And so it worked. Right. There was a in in this culture, their attitude toward those that were crazy or insane. There was a mercy towards them. They weren't they weren't looked at as a threat. It was like, I'm not messing with him. He's crazy. You know, so it worked for David when he when he pretended it worked. And sometimes the worst thing that can happen is when we lie or deceive that it works. You know why that's the worst thing that happened? Because then it becomes our pattern. We're like, okay, that's how I get out of trouble. I lied. It worked. Worked this time. It worked again. Can I tell you guys, this becomes a pattern in David's life that he'll cover up one thing with another thing. We see this happen when he sins with Bathsheba. And then when she came back and said, I'm pregnant, he said, oh, no, got to cover it up. I'm bringing your husband back from war. I'm going to get him drunk and send him home and hope that y'all sleep together and he'll think it's his and y'all can live a lie. But her, her husband comes home and he's a he's a he's a he's a he's a, a stand up guy. And he's like, my soldiers are out there at battle risking their life. I'm not going to go home and enjoy my wife. I'm sleeping outside on the floor until I go back to the war and we finish this thing. And when David couldn't get this guy to go home and be with his wife, David sent him back to the war. And now now it got worse. Now he wrote a, a letter and said, get us to Joab when you get there. And it's his own death sentence. When, when the war gets hot, everybody pulled back, let him die. David murdered him. And again, you got David. I got I got to cover up my sin. I sinned. And rather than saying, rather than confessing his sin, acknowledging his sin, he's like, I got to cover it up. And when you cover sin with more sin, you just make bad worse. David made bad worse. David went from being an adulterer to an adulterer and a murderer. And God, God would come for David for that. David's life from that point, we'll see, it'll never be the same. If you took a chart of the life of David from the time that we're introduced to him in scripture to that moment where he kills that man in war, David's on an upward trajectory. The whole time at that moment right there, it never this is never the same. It goes downhill from there. And some will say, but but didn't God forgive him? Yeah, God forgave him. But the consequences of your sin don't go away. And people need to know that. Right. God, God forgives. God's gracious and merciful. Yes, he is. But you will reap what you sow. 
And if you're out there sowing to the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. And ain't nothing you can do about that. If you're out there sowing lies, deception, and bad stuff, that, them trees are coming. It's coming. So it works both ways. You can also be out there sowing good. Amen? And that's what we need to be doing because you also reap that too. So as we end this here, um, a few things that I want to give us as lessons and I want to look at this psalm with us. Um, you can never cover sin with more sin. So that, that we don't want to make that a habit. When we sin and we all will blow it, we all will mess up. When we sin, the Bible's answer to sin is in 1 John 1, 9. It says, confess your sin. Right. It means agree with God. I did that. That was wrong. I'm confessing it. And God says he'll be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. It also says in Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Confess it and then forsake it. Turn your back on it. Um, in, in this case, the priest who helped David and many others are going to die for David's sins. And David's going to have to hear about it. And so um, we know that the wages of sin is what? Sin brings death. And sadly, I, I, I think there are times where David wish it would have been it would have been him. Sometimes the most painful thing is to watch your sin affect somebody else in a negative way. And David's going to have to watch the effects of his sins and how it impacted people that he cared about. Um, So what's the takeaway for us from some of this? Um, Number one, we want to deal with our problems truthfully. David had legitimate problems that he did not create, that were not his fault. Somebody else was doing wrong. David should have just said the truth to the priest and let it's in. We don't know what God would have done because he didn't do that. Right. Um, and so we'll never know what God would have done had David just walked in truth because he decided to tell a lie. But we want to be people that deal with our problems truthfully. Number two, we want to be honest about our troubles. Don't hide them. Don't lie. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't make it. You know, sometimes there are believers that need help. And, hey, how you doing, bro? And this is the this is the Christian lie. I'm doing great. No, you're not doing great. You were sinning earlier. You're struggling over here. You had a bad attitude over there. You're not flourishing in your walk with the Lord. And you know all of that's true. And somebody asks you, how you doing? And what, what can I pray for you about? Oh, I mean, I, I've had people, I ask if they need prayer. and They act like they got to think about it. Let me think. Oh, I'm doing so great. I don't even know what you can pray for me. Um, I, you know, th- let me tell you this. Ain't nobody never doing that great. If you're doing great, you need prayer to God will keep you strong, you know, keep you from you always need prayer. Don't ever struggle with that. What do you need prayer for? How long you got? How much kind of prayer? Are you a quick prayer or a long prayer? Long list, short list. You know, there should be plenty of things off top that I need prayer for all these things. Um, Those are that's the kind of mess Christians do where we don't even tap into the help that's all around us. And then it finally blow up in somebody's life. And then we're like, hey, well, it's been like this for about eight years, eight years. I asked you about a thousand times in eight years, how you doing? And you ain't never mentioned this. You a liar. That's your fault. And that happens in the church. People be sick, hurting, struggling, battling and lying. Don't want to don't want to don't want to look bad. Don't want to look unspiritual. It'd be better to, to be to be honest about your struggle so you could be honest about your victories. Right. Those that are honest and struggle and get help that they need eventually will be victorious. And then when they say I'm doing good, they mean that I'm doing good. Victory today in Jesus name. So don't get good at being a fake. That's not good. So number three, know that the sin of lying and deception won't accomplish God's will for our lives. 
We'll never need to help God out by lying or deceiving. Lying again, we talked about lying in our words or in our actions or in our behaviors. Um, lies are not just come out of your mouth. Lies also are, are brought forth in our behaviors. You can deceive people in multiple ways. So know that the sin of lying and deception won't accomplish God's will for our life. And lastly, let's be men and women of truth like Jesus modeled for us. Amen. Jesus is our model and our example. We love King David. We know that he was a man after God's own heart, but he was a flawed man. Um, one thing you never see Jesus do is tell a lie. Truth all the time, even when it hurts. Man of truth. He says, I don't, he, Jesus doesn't just tell the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he promised us in John 8, 32, we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. And so us walking in truth will keep us free from um, the bondage and some of the things that the enemy would like to bring upon us. I'd like everybody to turn to Psalm 34 with me. Psalm 34 real quick. When you get it, say, got it. All right. If, if, in some of your Bibles, it may have the heading over the psalm. And uh, anybody have the heading over it where it says the the Psalm of David when he pretended madness before uh, Abimelech who drove him away. Now, as you read through this Psalm, this appears to be after this, this appears to be the perspective after the fact. So David learns from this. And as you read through Psalm 34, there's so many wonderful little highlights in this Psalm. Um, I'm going to read through a section. I'm going to encourage you guys for your own edification, before you go to bed tonight, I'd like everybody to just take a moment to read through all of Psalm 34 in light of what we read tonight. But with me, let's just look at the first eight verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my what? Fear. God delivered him. When he finally sought the Lord, God delivered him from all his fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all, all around those who fear him and delivers them. And again, this is after the fact, because David was afraid if he if he had been there knowing that Saul's men are coming. But the, the, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those that fear the Lord. He had to be afraid. But David has given us now um, maybe what he was missing in the moment. And so the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers him out of all their troubles. Verse eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Amen. I invite you later to read the rest of that for your own edification. It's good. It's especially good in light of what we just read to hear that he does come around and get a better perspective. And so we can get the cheat sheet on what David went through. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons, uh, what we're able to learn from David, God, from his life, um, his successes and his failures. Tonight, as we look at some failures I pray, God, you'd help us to take lesson from this, that we would be men and women of truth, that, God, we would overcome fear with faith, that when circumstances and scenarios are, are happening in our lives that cause us to be afraid, that tempt us to be deceptive, God, I pray that you would give us the victory. I pray, God, that we, we wouldn't just hear this. This would impact how we live. This would impact the decisions that we make, how we handle 
the next time we get put in a crunch. So God, I pray you forgive us for the times when we succumbed and did the easy thing and told a lie to get out of a situation. Forgive us, God, for the times where we we allow someone to believe the wrong thing and we're deceptive. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.